Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. So when does a foothold become a stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset. A mindset of hopelessness in this situation that causes me to see something that is contrary to what God's word says is unchangeable. Obviously, it changed, right? That's that's the, the foothold Satan, All that's all he needs. You can't believe what God said about this. You gave your tithes and you're still broke. You gave offerings and now you lost your job. What you going to do? God's word's not working in your life. You're believing in healing. How come you got cancer? It's just Satan's attempt to plant those negative thoughts in your mind, in your spirit that says, God's word isn't 100% true, is it? That's all he needs to begin operating. Okay, It may sound complex, but it really is that simple. It's simply the attitude... It says, with a certain sinful behavior, I guess this is simply who I am. I can't change. The, the homosexuals, the gays, the transgenders that think, you know, they're part dog and, you know, they're, they're not sure if they're man or woman or anything like that. Really, all I got to do is look down in the shower and see how the plumbing's wired and they can tell who they are. But society has corrupted those thoughts to the point where now... This isn't me. I am who I am or what I am, and I just can't change. You know, that's fatalistic thinking. Those are strongholds, demonic strongholds, demonic towers of lies built up in our society over time, giving foothold after foothold until now not just the beachhead is under satanic control, the nation is under satanic control, okay? And that's where we're at today. Footholds start off simply by drifting away from the Word. The Lord desires you to experience His love, His intimacy, His power in your life, operating in your life. So when you do something against His Word, against His intimate relationship, against what His Word says, then you turn away from Him. We need to turn away from our sin and towards the Lord. We can't blame the devil. We can't blame our circumstances. We can't blame our past. If our sins are relational sins, we must repent. We must reconcile with those who hurt us or those that we have hurt. If we ignore these things and we refuse to do so, then we suffer in the end. You know, Strongholds destroy our lives and everything around us. But God always is offering us a new beginning. If the Lord is showing you something right now that is His grace being extended to you, it's His grace showing you that your heart and the things that are keeping you from experiencing the best in his life needs to change. And though the Holy Spirit does not leave the true believer, he can be grieved and pushed into a corner or into a closet. 
But what will be the result of that? Disorder, chaos, more sin. I mean, you can't keep going and think it's just going to go away. So the good news is we need to respond to God's strong grace because that's what shatters the strongholds. Let's look, you can read in verses 5 through 8. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination and thoughts of their heart was only evil continuously. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, it repents me that I have made them. So once again, in the midst of the escalation of the, the worst kind of sin, God comes and offers grace. Now, remember in verse 3 where God said, His day shall be 120 years? Some have taken this to mean that God is simply shortening mankind's lifespan to 120 years, since the longer he lives, the more sin he commits. I just simply think this means God is going to give man 120 more years to repent. 120 years from the time he said this, to repent. Think about this. That's grace. God made the decision. He's destroying the whole thing, but I'm going to give them some time to repent and come back to me. I believe God would have relented his judgment. Remember the, uh, uh, Jonah? God sent him to war Nineveh four days. This thing's going to be over with. You know, we're, we're going to, we're, 40 days, we're destroying this whole area. And God says he's had enough of your stuff. Nineveh repented. God relented. All right? 2 Peter 2.5 tells us Noah preached during the time of the flood. Every day he's building the ark was a form of preaching. Hey, Noah, why are you building a big boat like this? Because God's going to destroy the world with a flood. Noah, why are you building this big boat out in the middle of the desert? You know, the water's, you know, 20 miles that way. Because God's going to destroy the world with a flood. He was constantly preaching. For those hundred and some years it took to build the ark. Right? Noah was warning the people. Noah was urging the people, repent of your sins, respond to God's grace. That's always been God's way. God always has people warning us. This broadcast is a form of warning. God warns us. God offers us grace, his grace, and a chance to repent. Strongholds have no power in the presence of God's grace. What? Incredible patience and love God shows towards his mankind. Mankind's open to demons while God wants to extend his grace. But here in Genesis 6, they refused. God extends his grace more than we want to receive it. Genesis 6, 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continuously. That's what God saw. That's in, in verse 6, it repented the Lord. He made man on the earth. It grieved God's heart. What did God see? He saw the wickedness of men's hearts. Right? That's different from God seeing everything as good all over Genesis chapter 1. 
God looked at it all, said it is good. He looked when he created man. It is very good. All right. God looks and sees now mankind is evil. Notice the words every evil and continuously. Notice the word intent. This noun is related to the verb, uh, the Hebrew form. Uh, the noun is yetzer, and it's related to the verb yatsar, to form, to fashion with a design. One commentator says there was God the potter fashioning man. Now man wanted to become the potter fashioning his own thoughts into whatever he wanted to make. What God's form is be- when God forms something is beautiful. What man forms is repulsive. All right? Their depravity was not a temporary state. There was no re- let up. There was no repentance. There was no uh, hesitation in anything they were trying to do. Lust was what they wanted. Lust is what they did and violence was their method of operation. It was a total depraved society, just like we have today. What did God feel? He felt pain. Notice the word grieved. Okay, in, in verse 16, uh, Genesis 3, in verse 16 and 17, it's the same thing. Because Adam and Eve sinned, their life would be filled with pain. Sin in the human race brought pain to God. Not physical pain, spiritual pain. Remember Lamech in Genesis chapter 5, verse 29? He felt pain too, but notice the difference between man and God. While man longs for a temporary relief, God wants things right. The word sorry here is not, man, I am so sorry I created man. No, it's the word repent. That doesn't mean that God was taken by surprise or God felt like creating man was a mistake. No. God's response of grief over making humanity and now having them in this condition. Is what gives God pain. It's not remorse in the sense of sorrow over a mistake in creation. Our verse shows that God's pain has its source in the perversion of human sin. The making of man was not a mistake. It is what man made of himself. That's where the mistake happened. So if we can see that sin is more than about hurting God's heart than breaking God's law, that it's not about what God will do to me if I sin, but what my sin does to God. We can then fall faster and harder at his feet and receive his grace and his mercy. Aren't you glad we don't have a God who's lounging around, maybe sleeping off somewhere, you know, not really interested in what we do? I mean, a lot of people, that's what they think. They believe God's off somewhere and they don't, you know, he doesn't really care what happens to them. But it's not like that at all, is it? We have a God who feels pain. We, we through our sins, grieve him. And I'm thankful he's just not sitting there shaking his head at me when I sin, or a God who doesn't care where I'm at or what I'm doing. We know, we know something Moses did not know. We know about the cross, praise the Lord. The cross helps us to understand verse 7 here in Genesis chapter 6. The Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, 
creeping thing, fowls of the air, for it repents me, I've made them. Why so harsh a punishment? Remember last week that the severity of the crime is measured uh, by the one against whom it's committed? Right? It's one thing to punch someone in the nose, but yet another if you punch the President of the United States. Sin is against the God of the universe, and that must be punished on a steeper level. There would be no half measures in dealing with sin in light of the cross, unlike Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. God does not blot out mankind for their sin, he, but blots out Christ who bore our sin. I mean, that our sin is blotted out through Christ. Amen? So we're going to see in the story of the flood that Jesus was drowned under the flood of God's wrath so we can escape God's wrath. Jesus went under the waters so we can be over the waters. If you don't know Jesus today, the door of grace is open today. But you have to understand one day that door of grace is going to be shut just like, as we'll study next time, God shut the door of the ark. Look down in verse 8. How much time we got left? Ooh, getting close. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Here is a huge contrast to what's going on in the world. Just when you think all is lost, there's one person and one family who responds to God's grace. Notice it does not say Noah was perfect in his eyes. Notice it does not say Noah won favor. Noah earned favor, a word that translates into grace. This is the first time the word grace is even mentioned in the Bible. Amen. But this is not the first time grace has been demonstrated. We saw it with Adam and Eve. We saw it with Cain. God demonstrating his grace with Cain. Now we see it here with Noah. But note, grace is not found. Grace is not received. Grace is not won. God saw great wickedness. Here, Noah finds grace in God's eyes. We have a God who feels. We have a God who sees. We have a God who gives us his grace. Will you try to earn his grace today? Or will you simply receive it? If someone came to your house and had a plate of cookies, would you say, what do I got to do to get a cookie? Or would you say, they say, here, have a cookie. Thank you very much. Right? If it, it wasn't that God looked on Noah with grace and everyone else with condemnation. God looked at everyone with grace and mercy. It's just Noah found the grace. Praise God. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. That's something, that, that just touched somebody's heart right there. God was offering grace to everyone. Noah is the one who found grace. He later, you know, every other religion, other than, every other religion, every other philosophy, every other man-made thing says there are things we have to do. Good deeds, righteous acts, in order to earn God's blessing. Only Christianity says it's all about grace and nothing more, nothing less. Praise the Lord. Noah responded to the offer of God's grace by finding God's grace. And today, no matter how strong our strongholds are, God's grace is stronger. Amen? And all the remaining verses now, because we're almost out of time, all of the remaining verses 
go into detail on the instructions God gave to Noah on how to build the ark. And that is important because it had never been done before. It had to be one, this boat had to be 100% seaworthy. Amen? And I'm not going to take the time to, you know, uh, the read about it has to be this long, this high, this wide. You're going to do this and this and that. But because we can read that. The point, the reason those instructions are in the Bible is to show you the detail God showed Noah and required from Noah in building the ark. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time. Be blessed in all that you do.